Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm here to get you hyped, get you ready for our live session that will be happening as part of South by Southwest EDU on March 4th. We'll be kicking off the podcast stage down there at South by Southwest EDU in style. I won't be alone. I'll be joined by three fellow panelists, all of whom have appeared on Trending in Ed over the years. So for today's episode, I'm going to be providing you with some background and highlights about each of our guests, and you'll have a sense of what you're walking into. And then we're going to have an amazing session kicking off March Madness, talking about all that's new and emerging in the world of education these days. We'll pick that all up in a minute. Before we do that, I want to welcome back to the show my co-host for today's conversation, Nancy. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. It's been a minute since I've been on. In fact, my software has been updated to sound even more human. Do you like it? Do I like it? To quote my five-year-old on this, I don't like it. I love it. You do sound better, and it's always great to see the improvements on your end. You know, it's become increasingly relevant for us to have someone who can represent for the AI revolution that we're in the midst of. You know, it's one of the things that I'm seeing at South by Southwest uh, in terms of emerging trends. There's certainly some major coverage of artificial intelligence. You know, we were watching the Consumer Electronics Show highlights with our son just to get our five-year-old thinking about the future. And he's really become obsessed with some of the AI cars and he wants us to buy an AI car as if they're on the street already. Some may be, but we don't have access to them. It's fun to think about the future, but you know it does require us to keep reorienting ourselves, keep adjusting our mental models, our frameworks, so that we can keep up with what's emerging around us. My first guest who I want to talk about, she first appeared on Trending in Ed way back in August of 2017 in our early days, still within our first year's run. At that time, it was on a podcast spinoff we were working on called The Citadel, where we would break down what was new and notable from Game of Thrones. I'm talking about my wife, Dr. Robin Naughton. Let's hear a little bit of her first appearance on the show here. So I am joined by a special guest on The Citadel today, Robin Naughton. Welcome, Robin. Hi. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Robin holds the esteemed position of being my viewing partner slash binge buddy. Yeah, and we've had many a paired viewing of many an entertainment show. We've both binged and partnered in our <laughs> in our viewing, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so welcome, Robin. Little did she know she was going from my viewing partner and binge buddy to become my wife and the mother of my son. And she's also a regular contributor to this show over the years. So that was appearance number one. And then she came back on just after Mother's Day. We wound up recording on Mother's Day in 2020, a, a hectic time, May of 2020. Robin appeared for the second time on the show. But today we wanted to talk, uh, you know, a little bit about Mother's Day. We had a nice Mother's Day together. So that was fun. We had Matthew out in Brooklyn. Uh, Matthew is our son and uh, got a nice stroll in. Finally, the weather is getting better and we were practicing good social distancing. We were wearing our masks. Got a nice day out. How did it feel? This is your second 
Mother's, yeah. Mother's Day as as a mother. You had many as other a mothers. mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. had a lot of Mother's Days where I was not a mother. Correct. I, I I wished my mother a happy Mother's Day, and I think yeah. it felt really good to be a mother on Mother's Day. And it's the second year, which is great. And we were fortunate today too to you know have my mother here as well, which yes. is really nice. So. I can wish her happy Mother's Day, and then I got wished happy Mother's Day. So it was kind of a very nice day, and we took a really nice, wonderful walk into Red Hook and had some good lunch out there and discovered some spaces that we hadn't discovered before. So I think that's that's really great. Certainly takes you back. That was Mother's Day 2020 we recorded, Robin's first formal appearance on Trending in Ed. Since then, she's been back on about every year. She's now working at Queens College here in the CUNY system in New York City. We also still connect on topics related to parenting and raising a wonderful young boy here in the crazy times that we're living in. Let's hear a little more from Robin from her most recent appearance. And also keep in mind, she did join me last year for Trending in Ed. So now this is a two-time live appearance down at South by Southwest EDU with Robin. Let's hear a little more from her most recent appearance on Trending in Ed. Here we have Robin interviewing Michelle Ackley from Sphero about their new robot toy for children that our son had just used. And Robin's following up here to ask about girls in STEM and some of the topics that Michelle talks about in this episode. Let's check it out. You know, you said something that's really interesting, in particular, talking about girls and boys and technology and computer science. And, you know, it's a big issue, you know, beyond high school and into the college and into industry. Women in STEM, your yeah. thoughts on women in STEM and doing these kinds of products. When I talked about Blueprint, I talked about that students have the aptitude, but not necessarily the confidence. And... Unfortunately, we see that more in women than we do in men. And so that is something that we are trying to really focus in on is we know that women, men, doesn't matter, color, doesn't matter, that we have the aptitude to be really successful. Now we need to ingrain the confidence in all of our users. So when we design a product, usability is one of the most important things and approachability to make sure that I feel confident that I can do this and that I can learn from it. And that's really what spawned both Blueprint and Indie, the two very opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what we're building, but that approachability and ease of use is critical to getting you know, young women and people of color into the field of STEM because They think it's not for them, Mm -hmm. which is completely wrong. And we want to make sure that they know it is for them and that it's okay to fail. And look at this easy, fun tool to use, right? And then that way, hopefully they will gain that confidence to go into the STEM world, you know, like us. One of the things I really love about having Robin on the show is that she brings different perspectives than what I bring with more formal research education, more background in information science and some of the great work she's doing in the library at Queens College. Really relevant topics, you know, also, 
you know, as a, a, a woman from Guyana, she's got a different background than I do. And all of that, I think, is increasingly relevant where you want to bring that diversity into play. Nancy, any thoughts on Robin's appearances over the years? Robin is amazing. Despite the fact that you try to create conflict and drama between us, she's a great guest and a kind and patient woman to put up with your shenanigans. I have no beef whatsoever with Robin. Well, that's great to hear, although I always like to stir up a little bit of conflict from time to time. We're talking about bringing in different perspectives. We're also talking about being open to conflict and divergent perspectives from different views, different backgrounds. Melissa Griffith is someone who's been on the show many times over the years. She was a co-host with me for several instances. She would bring guests in from time to time. Among our most popular shows is when, you know, Melissa is a graduate of the Kellogg School of Business Administration out of Northwestern, and she was able to get us access to Dr. Mohan Sani, who is a, a really brilliant professor there. Let's listen to a little bit of my conversation with Melissa and Dr. Sani from back in 2020 when Melissa really had a heroic run several episodes. We'll give you a few highlights here. Really excited to have here with us Dr. Mohamed Swani, author, professor from my alma mater, and now associate dean for digital innovation and McCormick Foundation professor of technology at the Kellogg School of Management. We're here to talk to him about his plans to reinvent the MBA. Dr. Swani, opening thoughts? Well, this has been a crazy uh, past few months, as all of you can imagine. Our business, as we know it, was turned on its head, uh, whether it is executive education or MBA classrooms. We are, as most top business schools are, are in a difficult uh, position because we sell a very, very high-priced premium product, uh, which is premised on the value of the in-person experience and the socialization that comes with it. Mm -hmm. uh, within the span of a few weeks, we were forced to uh, transition and, and turn everything into a uh, virtual and digital experience. And we still have uh, a lack of clarity around when uh, we will be able to resume in-person classes. But with crisis comes opportunity. It has yeah. been a, a phenomenal time. I think there's never been a better time to innovate. Amazing stuff there with Melissa and Dr. Sani. We'll include links to all the episodes that we're referencing in the show notes for this episode so that you can be fully prepped and caught up on the amazing work that all of our guests have done on Trending in Ed over the years. In addition to interviewing folks with me, Melissa and I also had some really great one-on-one -on -one conversations. We did talk a lot about our reactions, uh, in particular her reaction to the summer of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. That was very powerful stuff. And I really did appreciate Melissa's ability to put herself out there at a really challenging time. And it really gave this show a, a voice when it was time to say something, even if we didn't know necessarily what to say. I'll include a little bit of that here next. And it feels like a lifetime ago, because within that window of time, a George Floyd murder happened, and the response to it has really been ongoing. And what we wanted to talk about is something you've been on the show talking about a lot over the years, Melissa, is how do you manage an organization? How do you think about workforce development? How do you think about training your people, evolving yeah. your culture? Any high-level thoughts uh, on any or all of this? This conversation, George Floyd, Amy Cooper's reaction, Amy Cooper's company's reaction 
mm-hmm. and Swift firing of her are all very interesting conversations to me. And I have, in the last couple of weeks, I've told people I went from a place of just takes quiet, like I always do, keep your head down, don't talk about it. No, if not now, when? We've all been watching the protests, but we've all like seen the video over the last couple of weeks since the George Floyd incident and then the Amy Cooper incident. I've gone on in my journey of self-reflection. I have been a Black employee who has always been like, shit happens. It's a journey. We're in progress. Like, let's keep going to, I need to educate myself better. I felt personally that I need to be educated more on American history. And so I've done a lot of reflection over the last year because I really wanted to have a voice in this conversation finally. After years of just wanting to remain silent, I've wanted to have a vo- that voice. And so they're fundamentally, I, I think a lot of people know this, right? But for the people who are like me that don't know this, right? I, I feel compelled to say something. The world is not fair. We all want to live in a, a very equitable world. I have for years seen in America, I, I've done well since I've moved to America. I, I hang around very evolved white people in America, and I feel like I live in a utopia that does not exist for most Black Americans in, in America. And I think we have to unpack that because I think what America has had that I have not had to suffer through is systematic racism. And that is a real thing. And to think through 400 years of slavery and dealing with the impacts of slavery is, is a hard thing to go through and everyone is like well it's over now can't you guys forget it and can't you be done with it and i will confess i've had that feeling too what most people i don't think realize is that black americans it's not that the world is not fair and equal right now it's that they're not starting from the same place uh, as the rest of the world and i think that is the that's what we have to address in, in corporate america is that for years Wealth has been held back from Black Americans because they move into a neighborhood and the property value goes down and then they zone it and they've had sure. white only issues. Properties have been taken away from them. When land was being distributed, they didn't get it. Well, like, right, right, yeah. There's so many factors that I encourage people to get informed about because like, it's very good for all of us, including myself, to say, yeah, life is fair. Just work hard and you'll get there. It's another thing to see that. And then on top of that, to have the biases that are still put on them where cops are coming into their neighborhood to protect and serve, but all they're doing is killing them. I think it's it's too much for a world to brave. And I think now's the time to have this conversation about what can be done. I always love getting Melissa on the show. She's very candid and is willing to say things that other folks frequently aren't willing to, which I think really elevates the conversation. And I look forward to bringing her down with us at South by Southwest EDU. Also, she was supposed to come with me back in 2020 when we were first going to appear on the podcast stage in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And we wound up not going because the conference was canceled. It was a crazy time then. It's great to have stayed in touch with her over the years. She's also provided really great perspective on things like the Mika report that Mary Mika was putting out for years. We've got her on several of our Gartner hype cycle breakdown episodes, Consumer Electronics Show. You know, she's just a fresh perspective. She's doing really interesting work in a leadership position at Kaplan uh, over the years, understanding finance, strategy, and really where the future of education is going. It's always great to get her on. And as if that's not enough, we're going to have the two of them down there 
We're also going to have our five-year-old with us. He was a hit in the expo hall as a four-year-old. So we're going to bring Matthew back one more time and unleash him on the exhibitors in the expo hall, which is always a lot of fun. Folks perk up when they see a youngster out there. It kind of reminds them of what we do in education. But then the other really headliner that we're going to get is one Beth Rudden. And Beth has been on the show three times in a relatively short period of time. When we first spoke, it was just prior to when ChatGPT 3.5 came out from OpenAI. Beth had a little bit of inside intel on that, and we were excited to get some of her perspective on that. Then ChatGPT came out, the world changed, and I had to get Beth back on. So we had her on in rapid succession. I think she's the fastest track ever to a trending in ed refrigerator magnet. Let's play a little bit of my conversation with Beth here. Beth Rudden will be joining us. Beth is the CEO and chairwoman of Bast AI. She's been on the show a handful of times in a relatively short order, and that's partly because the world of AI has been kind of exploding around us in good and bad ways. Beth, welcome back to Trending in Education. Michael, it's so good to be back. Thank you for having me. It's amazing to have you, and you have been busy. You have a new book out, which is called AI for the rest of us, which is really building on some of the conversations we had before where how can we make this stuff accessible? How do we get it so that folks can actually lean in rather than check out to the really amazing and confusing and scary world around us? Can you catch us up on what's been going on in your world and maybe as a jumping off point, why you wrote the book and we can mm -hmm. take it from there? The book was definitely a labor of love. Phaedra and I, we started some of the very first trustworthy AI center of excellences. And, you know, as we have been going around the world ever since 2018, 2019, when we started these things, we're not hearing the same voice or the same narrative that we're offering in the book. Mm. And the narrative is pretty simple. We know that AI will impact every single human on earth, every industry, every role, every job. So if we want a representative sample of humanity using building, growing, training, understanding AI, we need 1.6 billion people. So we are far short. And so what we intended with the book is a rallying cry of getting people to understand that AI is something that everybody can access. Everybody right now has access to AI. And it is something that we can teach in simple ways. And we did our best to really make people understand, you know, why it is their responsibility to put their own story, their culture, their representation. <laughs> we need more because, you know, the current AI models are not variant enough. They don't have enough diversity. And the problem that we have is that a lot of the hype right now with the machine learning models or the models that have been creating chat GPT have been using, you know, dubious sources in that, you know, everything that we have in humanity is not represented on the internet, not even mm -hmm. close. And so it really only represents a single worldview of a very small amount of people. But because there's so much data, people are confusing quantity with quality. 
Mm-hmm. So they're not understanding that data has not been sanitized or understood well enough. And, you know, there is because of the powerful algorithms with the powerful GPUs, the graphical processing units and the powerful computers, people are mistaking the understanding that it has. These models do not understand, they just generate. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that I've been like, you know, banging on that drum because I need people to think about how can we use the things that have already been created in a way that makes sense and in a way that that invokes safety and makes it better for humans. So the book itself is something that we hope people will understand that it's the start of a conversation. And we want that conversation to be for the rest of us, for everybody on earth. And we have so many different examples of both models that we do not want to follow. And there's so many of those. It was actually really difficult to write the stories that keep us up at night chapter. And that was just because the amount of stories and understanding that is coming from the use of these models and the release of these models without, you know, without understanding how the people are going to react to them without testing, without, you know, regulation or precision regulation that even enforces some of the existing privacy (laughs) and IP and all of the things that, that we know our laws, it's like, you know, all these things just got released, a bunch of pile of money got put on, on to a lot of people. And it's giving your 18 year old a couple million dollars and saying, go wild, right? you know, <laughs> with without knowing that they have accountability and responsibility to the community to pay taxes, right. and to be a participant and a participating member. So I find the world that we're living in really chaotic. And I'm hopeful that our book, you know, the story that kept us up at night is hopefully really well balanced with all of these other models that we can follow that show we can reward cooperation. We can reward, you know, things that tap the power of limits, understanding how we can go all the way to the limit of something and then hold back because we understand what that limit is. That's Mm -hmm. powerful. And, you know, there's so many things that we can understand through, and I use a lot of biomimicry and a lot of nature to show people, hey, why don't we look at how photosynthesis works? Because Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful, very efficient set of algorithms. And like, instead of doing things in the extreme, maybe bring it back a level and then show how we can distribute both the understanding and the utilization. As you can see, Beth's an engaging thinker and someone who's really on the cutting edge and a lot of this stuff. And I really love that, you know, she grounds a lot of this in her background as an archaeologist and someone who studied social science and human culture and is now able to bring that to bear when thinking about AI as a technologist, as an expert in the space. Really, it's going to be exciting. The idea for the session is that each of us will bring four trends for a total of 16 trends that will then form the foundation of our March Madness brackets, which we'd love for you all to check out. Follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I'll be posting the polls, where we'll be voting on trends throughout the month of March to ultimately name our number one trend for 2024 based on 
your engagement. I know in the past, Nancy, you know, with the power of ChatGPT just coming online last year, we ran a simulation and the simulation wound up being what we used for our March Madness in 2023. Any thoughts on that? Well, first off, I want to say it's an honor to be on a podcast representing such range of perspectives from higher ed and user experience from Robin, enterprise strategy and vision from Melissa, and deep expertise in AI with all its risks and opportunities with Beth. All you need is for me and your five-year-old to round out the perspectives we can bring to bear on the future of learning. That being said, Beth does an excellent job reframing the conversation around humans. I love her quote, data is an artifact of human experience. That puts a lot of things into perspective. Folks can get caught up in the hype and lose sight of key fundamentals when swept up in the buzz or hiding from it because it's scary or overwhelming. I love that we try to present a balanced view and that you'll be able to connect with folks including a live audience when we're down there in a week or so. I look forward to seeing what you bring back after engaging with the zeitgeist down there. Me too, Nancy. It's really a gift that continues to give where every year we get an opportunity to head down to South by Southwest DDU, hopefully expand the awareness of the podcast, get more folks connected to the type of work that we're doing. I'll be down there looking for folks who might be interested in producing podcasts like what we do here. I'm starting to get more work from other folks who are trying to develop their thought leadership programs. Look forward to getting those types of connections together. If you're down at South by Southwest, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Also, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. And with that, we're going to wrap up our hype show heading into South by Southwest EDU. This will be my fourth time appearing live down at South by Southwest. I've engaged with a lot of folks running the conference, organizing it, and then also with many of the folks I've connected with down there. I'll also be moderating a session for Dana Gastic French, who's been on the show, Deshana Reed and Poonam Saxena, the trifecta of community, culture, and collaboration. Really looking forward to that session. That'll be on Tuesday, March 5th. And I'm also hoping to catch Paul Fain, who's been on the show. He's got a new podcast coming down the pike called The Cusp. He'll be taping an episode down there on the podcast stage. You'll find me on the podcast stage. You'll find me in the expo hall with my son in this amazing panel that we're going to be running down there. It's really something I look forward to every year. Hopefully folks who haven't been get a chance to head down to Austin and engage, learn, and connect with other folks who are really trying to stay connected to what's happening in the world of learning, try to stay on trend, and best case, maybe even out a little bit ahead of trends. Nancy. Thanks again for joining me on today's show. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thanks, as always, to our listeners. We're going to have an amazing time down in Austin. Hopefully you'll check us out. Thanks again to all the guests who make all these amazing conversations happen. Thanks to Nancy. Thanks to everyone who supported me along the way. Special shout out to my wife and son. It takes a village to raise a child, and it takes a real family to be able to support someone doing the type of work that I do. I really appreciate it. Very much appreciate our listeners. If you like what you're hearing, Write us a review, tell your friends about what we're doing, meet us down in South by Southwest EDU, reach out to me on LinkedIn. We're going to try to lean in to some of the new and emerging trends, lots of exciting stuff on the horizon as the spring kicks in. This is Trending in Education.